on the show here. We are connected. Here comes some music, I think. Here it is. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell Alvin Lee and 10 years after for ushering us in today again to the two-hour get-together of Freedom Seekers here at the Euro Folk Radio Network. Roger Sales, your host, guide, teacher, uh, a whole bunch of other hats I wear around here, and uh, that's what we do. And it's the Thursday edition of the Radio Ranch, and that would be date stamped 1622, uh, the day that will forever henceforth live in Infamy is the exposed democratic communist satanist party's false flag attempt. So hopefully that'll get a little more exposed today. That's always nice. It's getting exposed by the minute. A lot of a lot of chatter on that with some actual witnesses and stuff yesterday on Alex. I don't know if y'all heard that or not, but they're being very exposed, and that's good. Puts them in desperation. They're getting exposed on the vaccine. They're getting exposed on the intent of it. They're getting exposed on all this other stuff. Uh, they're getting exposed. However, else there's a number of things they're getting exposed on. I think this, uh, I think this Ukraine effort to engage Putin is exposing them to a lot of the world. And uh, last night we got to expose them just a little bit more over with Tom D on RBN. Maybe some folks listening this morning uh, and even participating with us from that. Don't know. Um, but anyway, pretty good show last night with Tom, I thought. Um, I was I was very pleased to get through the high points of what we, you know, go over with intricate detail and our bill, have the ability here to dive deep and a lot of explanation and stuff. And you just don't have that opportunity when you're trying to cover all the moving parts, give a, enough of a description where people can get their arms around each individual part and then see how they all interact together and work together for your enslavement. Uh, so anyway, I was pretty uh, pleased with that last night. Um, we ran, ran out of time there at the last, and I was kind of surprised because I know, uh, you know, RBN's got board operators and all the stuff that we don't have here. I do all that stuff here. Um, and so Mike, who was running the board at the start, he said, we got over 700 people listening on the call-in line. Because they got a phone line you can call in and listen to the signal. That's pretty good, I thought. Over 700 on the call-in line. You don't have, have any idea how many are listening on the Internet. Of course, we didn't have time to get to any questions last night. I guess we're going to do that next week. Uh, did uh, pretty much uh, show Tom, though, that, and, and that's good because he's you know been looking into this for longer than I have, really. Uh, and had never stumbled on the thread that would lead to the ultimate truth. So I know that he sees it at this point. And uh, I, at the last, as we were running out of time, got to give my email address out for people that wanted, you know, the traditional other interviews and documents. And I was quite surprised. I only got a couple of requests. I don't know whether people didn't catch it at the end or, or what. Uh, but anyway, 
I uh, did get a couple of requests, so we'll see how that goes. And then we scheduled uh, next Wednesday to go back and mop up things we didn't get to cover and ask uh, people to call in and ask questions, and we can get into some of the periphery and drill a little deeper on some of the important stuff. Anybody with us this morning that was uh, uh, that was listening last night there that's new? Well, I'm not new, but I want to say that uh, Tom certainly – was well-mannered in that he didn't interrupt you or make commentaries during your uh, your speechifying, so to speak. Yeah, so no. yeah, I thought he would, did a real good job as a host, and he hadn't really done a lot of radio shows. I, I thought he was on there a lot more regular, but he, he mentioned just offhand that it was only a few, handful of shows he'd done, so he felt pretty green, and uh, but he did a very good job. I thought, and also Jeff, and uh, I was pretty pleased with the way the pace of it went. And uh, I'm getting, you know, I, there's so many different ways to approach this. Okay. And what I've learned here lately through Andy's appearance, because I've been concentrating on that a little bit more, Andy's appearance kind of made me really rethink the way that whatever the blocks are of information that you present and how you do it. <coughs> And the reason for that is, of course, Andy is not only not American, uh, so all of it he didn't relate to as easily, but we only had an hour to work with. So he had to whittle that down and fit it in there where you could get the important stuff across. We still didn't even get to touch on the passport um, on Andy's show. And then after that, I, I got to do uh, Jim White, and there was two hours with minimal interruptions. But I put in a lot of the court cases and the Downs versus Bidwell and the Wikipedia entry on national status and a couple of uh, the, the 1835 Ubututu versus VDRC, however you say it. And uh, all that in as a preface to set up everything. And then we ran out of time. I didn't even get to cover the passport with Jim White. And uh, so anyway, you just live and learn. And last night I thought, well, I'll bring them or bring that story from England in at the start and give a little bit of the how they do it and then go a launch into the feudal system and, and then into the birth certificate and how it connects in and forms the basis system of the financial and then uh, cover the passport right at the end. And it timed out really good, I thought. You know, there's just maybe three, four minutes there left at the end to cover a little extemporaneous stuff, and I certainly could have jammed a lot more in there. But I thought that we got the high points covered, and uh, a couple of the emails that I did get from listeners were, you know, the usual, man, you just blew my mind, you know, that kind of a comment. And uh, so uh, hopefully we'll get some folks uh, on, and, and I got to plug Eurofolk, and I guess Jeff informed me that I didn't give Eastern time when I said 11 to 1 and so let's hope that they're smart enough if they can understand the rest of the stuff they can probably figure out that you know when you're given a time zone out there eastern time's usually the benchmark okay you very unless you're hold on a second gear unless you're on the west coast and you're totally uh, uh focused on west coast time generally people don't give west coast time is my experience we've seen a little bit more of it lately hey gary is that you buddy yeah, I just wanted to say the show was very good. It was very succinct. Uh, the flow was excellent. I think it really helped the fact that you had went over this information in pretty good detail with Tom so that he wasn't having to keep interrupting you. I think that's prior to I think that's true. Right. You know, that's the same thing I'm trying to do with Jim White, give him a good background so that uh, the next time you guys are together, you can get a good flow. If you'd go back and listen to that interview and 
write down an outline of it. I think that might be the outline you want to follow on any two-hour show. I think you're probably right. I don't have to write it down. I kind of got it in my mind. I know this stuff. I could probably give you this talk in my sleep, in all honesty. Uh, yeah, I think I'm getting to that same point, too. Well, that, you know, when you're at that stage, you've really got command of the, of the information, you know. And now you've made it yours, and it's part of you when you can do that sort of stuff. And that's what I encourage everybody to do with this if you're really serious about it. Uh, because the the reciprocal part of that, not only can you give it, you can regurgitate it in case you get in any situation where you got to be a belligerent claimant. Okay? Hey, there was uh, one part of it, though, that... Uh I wanted to bring out <clears throat> it struck me when you was talking about driving and driver's licenses and that is duty and we've got to understand that uh, when you do this and you go back under the common law you now have the duty to obey traffic laws obey stop signs oh. and stuff of that nature not because you are forced to do it as underneath the driver's license and stuff but because you have a duty to do it because you're under the common law. And that may be a good concept for some people to grasp, but the fact is, I used to be in safety for three years. I was a safety engineer. And speed limits are put up because people have determined that that's a safe speed to keep everyone safe. So it's your duty to obey that. You may not get a ticket, because you're a national, because you don't abuse, but must think of your duties as a national differently than what you do your duties as a citizen. You know, Gary, you're hitting on a really key point here, and I'd never looked at driving like that before, but I totally agree with you. Okay, and you do assume a duty here, and that's why I made the comment yesterday or day before, because of this kid in California, Michael. Uh, that I was dealing with the last couple of weeks, and so you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm, I, you know, I don't know if some of these people I'm working with need to be a national or not. Yeah, uh, let me give you a good example, Roger, if I may. Sure. Under common law, common law, a drunk driver leaves the bar. He's drunker than a skunk. He makes it home safely. Under. U.S. citizen law or merchant law, if he got stopped, he could get a ticket. Under common law, he, he wouldn't get a ticket. However, the drunk driver abrogated his duty to not ensure that he made it home safely without endangering other people. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a very interesting point you're making because it transcends over to Brent's idea when we get into these discussions on rights and duties. Uh, and, and I don't disagree with Brent at all. Uh, and Brent comes and said they're the same thing. And I teach them as being reciprocal and different, okay? And the, I don't disagree. As I said with Brent, you, what you're talking about is basically about the same thing uh, uh, because they are 
basically the same thing but to teach people when you get a lot of you folks and myself that had never been exposed to these high level legal concepts and things they generally don't teach in law schools anymore by the way um when you get exposed to that you're getting a, a drink of water out of a fire hydrant with all this information anyway there's a lot to absorb a lot of new stuff to uh, understand and work into your normal thoughts and, and and your consciousness you know and it just seems to me like it's easier for somebody to grasp the concept that they're reciprocal as a part to the one that they're the same yeah if you want to go that way and you've got command of this information a little later and as you grow in your understanding and your command of it that's a different story but but i think you're right on that okay and i think brent's right too uh and like i said it's really for the standpoint of what I'm very conscious of with this information is giving people such a drink of water out of the fire hydrant that they get overwhelmed. They go, shit, like uh, Dennis Fecho. I got to learn all that, you know, and, t- and turns them off and turns them away. And that's something, of course, I don't want to do. So uh, it's a fine line when it gets to some of those points. And I've had to deal with it over the years and think about it and watch sometimes the negative effects of that very phenomenal right there take effect. And because I've seen people walk away from this for that. So uh, I, I've, I've tried to go back and tailor it to where it's easier and under the under the old uh, you know, the old auspices of it, it's easier to pull a rope than it is to push a rope. Go ahead, Gary. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, that's fine. A lot of it has to do with volunteerism versus coercion. <clears throat> yeah. And under a as a national and under God's laws, you're volunteering to do the right thing, which is your duty. Treat your fellow man as you want to be treated. Uh, don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Uh, treat your wife decent or your family. Under their system, it's a forced coercion. Oh, we're going to slap your hand with a ticket or with a fine or jail or whatever to force you to do the right thing. You know, I read a story. I think it was Katja sent it to me. I didn't read the story. I just read the headline. Some guy catches his wife driving drunk, makes her walk home. She dies somehow on the way home. Don't know how. And they charge him with manslaughter. How freaky, huh? Talk about the upside-down world. Um, so, uh, anyway, well, that's a good observation, Gary. I certainly agree with you. And uh, well, there's a couple I made. A, you know, here's the thing. When you get in there, and I don't use notes or anything, okay? This is all right off the top of my head, just because I know it well enough, you know? I've been messing with it so long. And uh, I mentioned 1821 Webster's Dictionary. Robin was nice enough to send me an email. So I think you meant 1828, which, of course, is right. And you can easily understand how somebody could get that little minor detail confused. Uh, but I don't think Jeff Jeff brought a fact that I didn't give Eastern when I gave the time of the program. I think those are probably the only two little things that fell through the cracks. But when you get on there for two hours straight and you're uh, uh, regurgitating all this, especially for the new person, fairly complex information with no notes and no nothing, uh, I guess you got a little poetic freedom there to, uh, what do they call it, uh, uh, leeway to make small mistakes that are insignificant in, in law. If you do something like that, they call it all form and no substance. Uh, and I kind of agree with that. So anybody else have any uh, comments or observations on, on that talk last night or anything else you want to bring up this morning here to start the show? 
is that show archived, Roger? Yeah, it is, and I, I, I'll have to shoot Tom. It's over there. I'm, I don't know where they've got it archived or how they set up their website, but they do uh, archive all their programs. And yeah, I'll get it where we can get it out because I thought it was a particularly good. Uh, uh, initial presentation for somebody where the major part of the stuff uh, the the moving parts and the intersection of them and how they operate got covered hey john how you doing this morning well i feel better about myself today yeah good well i'm glad you do and i didn't want to beat you up on that it's easy to understand I, but i did want to use it as an example for po- folks for when when i open up this stuff and say have i got any questions uh, i bet you wish you'd ask a question about that in the last couple of months at some point okay not to pin your ears back on it, but you can remedy that really by by doing a couple things. Wait for if you missed it yesterday, John. Been around a few months. Uh, uh, was referred by Ryan, I think, and uh, we had to get uh, we had to get some of the uh, ex- extra- extemporaneously wrong information out of his mind and substitute the new stuff in. And in that, he sent in a DS11, your first passport application, right? DS11. Yeah. And and uh, and he neglected to put the affidavit with the application, so uh, he got a hold of me and said, "Hey, listen, did I mess up here? And can I get that into that application?" Now I don't know how you could get it to him and say, "Hey, I forgot this. Please attach it." But what you can do is take the first thing you can do. You can do both of them, probably real easy. Now that you've got a DS11 application in. You're not a first-time applicant anymore, are you? Now, here's here's the negative on that. If you're going to do a renewal and you've got an active passport, they want you to send the active one in. So you haven't obviously gotten it back yet. However, you may contest the waters here for us, John, and just include a letter and just say, this DS-11 is already in process. I forgot to add my citizenship evidence to it. And please, uh, please process this new renewal uh, uh, on top of that with the affidavit included and just order a passport card. Did you order just a card on the first one or did you order a book or a book and a card? How'd you do the configuration there? Just a card. Okay. Well, uh, I guess you'll get two cards. <laughs> so I'm not sure to tell you how to handle it because this is another one of these things, man. I mean, I get y'all are throwing these situations at me that, hell, I never even contemplated before. Okay. Um, so, and you can't, you can't imagine how many really intricate situations comes from everybody's individual circumstances <laughs> that, you know, dealing with ex-wives and whatever. Uh, but you could go ahead right now today. And go ahead and send them that affidavit cold uh, to administrative records and just to get it in process. And then whenever you feel like you want to do the renewal, uh, you can either wait for it to come back or you can buy. You know what you ought to do is maybe call the State Department and ask them. Call the 800 number and ask, you know, and just say, look, I had a little snafu here, and how, how should I handle it? Because uh, I don't have my card yet that I could – I don't know if you've just got a card if they require you to send it in either on a renewal. I, these are just uh, – hell, I didn't even know you could just order a card until recently, quite frankly. Um Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I'm not involved in that. I'm not in the States. I've got a passport. I don't get a card. I just get a book uh, because the card doesn't do me any good down here. The reason they started doing that, by the way, in case you missed that, the year that I first stumbled onto this and applied for my first one with a DS-11 was 
2007, 15 years ago. And um, that was the summer that they changed the law on traveling in the immediate countries outside of the U.S., uh, Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean on cruises and all that. You used to could do that on a driver's license, and they required you to have a passport or a passport card. And I think that's maybe when they separated them because the problem I had that summer is – I got caught right in the middle of that, and they had a huge onslaught of people that already had vacation plans that needed to get a passport through there. Uh, and because uh, they didn't make the announcement real, they didn't say ne- by next summer. They said by this summer, you know. And so there was a real onslaught of applications, and I remember it took an inordinately long time for me to get my book back, uh, my little passport book. And, uh, so I don't know if that's when they did it, but uh, that was one of the real reasons that people can just get a passport card and not need a book now. So it may have been when they separated it. I don't know the specifics on that, but that was uh, when all this started. Oh, and having to have a card to travel in adjacent countries. And, of course, with the card, John, you can't, for instance, fly to England. Uh, because when you get to England, they want your book so they can stamp that visa stamp. Okay, arrived on this date. You got 90 days, Big John. And when you leave, we'll stamp you with another one that shows you the exit date. And you go through some of these people that are travelers, frequent travelers and stuff, um, you know, jet setters, if you will. Uh, they have to go in. And I don't know if you can even still do it. You used to could. You can go in when you get your passport visa pages all filled up, and people do that, and get extra visa pages added into the passport book that you, you have existing. I think now they might issue you a new passport book if that happens. But uh, but regardless, I've seen people's visa pages, and, you know, I, had, I was traveling back and forth to Uruguay and Chile, and some of those I had a few in my old one uh but um they have to start looking through you know sometimes they have the entrance visa on one page and the whole page gets covered up with other visa stamps and if you leave they got to put the exit visa on another page and so you get one entrance there and the guy's looking at when you're going somewhere else and they're looking all through there through all these stamps to see where the exit was or you know all that kind of stuff it, it gets kind of interesting but that's uh that's why you need a passport book is to travel internationally so other countries can put those visa stamps in there. Yeah, so when you said citizenship evidence, I thought you were referring to the actual card. No, the, yeah. no, no. citizenship evidence is what the State Department calls your affidavit. That's what they label your right. affidavit. Well, that's the first thing that's, that confused me just a little. And then the other one is that every time I get an application in my life for anything, a new job, a new wife, a new car, they have to a U.S. citizen. You got an application for a new wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not that one. Okay. <laughs> but, but they're always they're always asking me if I'm a U.S. citizen. So the one oh, yeah. time I expect them to ask me a clear question, they didn't ask. Me of course, because <laughs> they don't want to ask you. They want to zap you in presumption. That's why they put non-citizen national in there. And yet, I, I was going to get to it last night. See, here's what happened with Tom. 
Tom, because he's been studying this for a long time and because he's over there and he doesn't do a lot of radio shows, and he's been told by a bunch of you guys that contacted him that he needed to interview me, so obviously he's got some credibility, but he wants to make sure that I know what I've got and he knows what I've got and I'm not pulling the wool over somebody's eyes or wrong and he's got enough background to go through there with some sort of a fine-tooth comb and look at it, so he wants to interview me first. Well, then he gets curious, and as you know, it's fairly involved, and and so it took us a couple of phone calls. I mean, we were on the phone. I was on the phone with him going over this for, God, three or four hours, okay, and two different calls. And uh, so then, as before we get to the show yesterday, he writes me an email and says, what about this definition here? And I'm going, I wrote him back and said, I don't even want to answer that, but because what we're going to do has nothing to do with that bearing on that tonight because we're uh, this is tailored for new people there'll be people there have heard it before and that's good but it's really tailored and designed for the new person so they can get their arms around this and then everybody's a little more on the same page and so i don't want to answer that right now there's no reason for you to even know the answer you know honestly and but i was thinking about um how they utilize this non-citizen national label and status uh, that they've created really when you think about it you know you say and i've said for years there's two two political statuses in our country well that's not right there's three the third one is the one that's non-citizen national that can't be birthright citizen the other two are the same so there's three political statuses in our country and that one nomenclature of non-citizen national with the identifier non-citizen well they use that in the oath to throw you but if you go back over to title eight in in the immigration naturalization part where they define a national and they say a national is they don't say a non-citizen national there they say a national and it says a person who's born in american samoa swains island or the outlying territories and of course the reason they can't put non-citizen national in there is because they're hiding the states under the term outlying territories okay and so this is how they mix and match with that little non-citizen i've often given you the example that I was uh, fortunate enough, one of these nitpicker guys sent to me years ago when he's reading, just like Tom, what says this here? (laughs) Well, they lie, man. Come on. (laughs) It's all a big game, okay? And they try and intentionally confuse you. And the best example, really, outside of that one right there in Title Eight, is uh, uh, to go over to uh, IRS Publication 519. Now, keep in mind, IRS, we know, is not a government agency. So they don't have to go through the Office of Management and Budget and get, uh, you know, numbers for anything because they're not a government agency. So that doesn't apply to them. So they can get in there and go freewheeling with all this shit, okay? And so in Publication 519, there's a statement that's what this guy sent me uh, a national owes total allegiance to the u.s okay well over there last night we covered on tom's show in the certificate of non-citizen nationality it says a national owes total allegiance to a small less state well a national can't owe allegiance to a small less state and the u.s at the same time it's it's impossible they're mutually exclusive okay he could owe total allegiance to the usa but not to the U.S., all right? No dual allegiance. Correct. 
Okay. And so you're either one or the other. Your allegiance is here. Your allegiance is there, you know. And, uh, you know, you can't serve two masters, I think it says in the Bible. So what is the IRS doing there? And, again, this shows you the links they've gone to to obfuscate this. For anybody that doesn't know it cold like we do from the opposite direction and looking at it conceptually, but the people that are just going through here and trying to read definition, this is, as I maintain, this is the reason our community as a whole is off on tangents. You're a ship sailing on the land, you know, because they're having to really reach because they've hidden this so damn effectively and well. I mean, you know, credit, give the devil his due, I think is the old saying. And the devil's done real good at work here. They're vi- very clever. Now, the uh, the advantage we've got is now that we understand how they've done it and what they've done, well, they they lose their mask of invisibility totally, okay, because they're just standing there naked, okay? Uh, so what that statement is, it would be correct. How would that statement be correct, John, in the in IRS publication 519? I know you've heard this before, so you probably may even remember. But how could that statement be made to be correct? A national owes total allegiance to the U.S. It's not being rebutted. No. All they'd have to do if make it totally correct is put the identifier in front of it. A non-citizen national, an American Samoa, owes total allegiance to the U.S., and that's true. Okay. But, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but the, what they're doing is they're yanking and adding that non-citizen identifier, that adjective, to go in and throw your ass. It's just like they add it in to the oath on the passport. I'm either a citizen of the United States or a non-citizen national. Well, there, it's the national is also underneath. But they've hidden that by putting non-citizen there to throw off anybody reading the oath that doesn't know what we know. And I've gone over the thought process, I think they're trying to achieve there is the guy the rare guy that's got brain cells he can rub together that's reading the oath he's about to sign and he goes well let's see i'm a citizen of the united states i gotta swear this under penalty of perjury that's that same thing they asked me to do on the 1040 form so i guess i better really pay attention here uh uh that i'm a citizen of the united states or a a a non-citizen national well what the hell is that well, I don't know. He's, he's going through. I got to read the oath. I got to get this sign. I'm in front of the guy. Okay. And so uh, I'm not sure what that is, but I know I'm a citizen, just like this guy Tuesday at lunch, uh, you know, ex federal employee for 30 years. I'm a citizen of the United States. Well, I know I'm one of those. And this is a non citizen national. And I know I'm a citizen. So I'm not even going to look into that because I know I can't be that. I guarantee you that's what they're trying to achieve there. Okay. And uh, so anyway, the way they mix and match and use that thing and and bring it in and take it out and use it intentionally to buffalo people, uh, that's why I'm telling you these people are are pooping in their mess kits up there because somebody's found out and and weaved their way through this and got the answers, and people are starting to submit these affidavits. And hopefully, uh, good Lord willing, uh, here this year, they're going to get an absolute fecal load more of them, okay? And I, 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 I guarantee you, I think they're concerned about it, okay? Because as Peter Hammond was saying this morning, did, did any of y'all listen to the Pete's interview this morning with ACH? I know Jeff did. Anybody else? 
That was a really good interview, and it was on what we're talking about right here. And he concentrated on Solzhenitsyn and a lot of his writings and the things that he found dealing with these creeps in Russia, talking about not believing the lie, confronting the lie, and all that kind of stuff. It was really, really instructive on what we're doing is what I kept seeing in there. Did you get that too, Jeff? Yes, sir, and also from an extreme atheist to a Christian was his... Uh Solzhenitsyn's journey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really worth, I'm not sure where where Andy's archives are. They may be on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I mean, he might have his own site. Uh, but uh, that one's worth listening to. I really have grown uh, to really, really respect and like Peter Hammond. I'm, uh, I, in fact, I want to reach out to him in one of these days and send him an email and uh, kind of establish a relationship. For those of you who might not remember, Peter in South Africa was the guy here recently up at Bonner's Ferry at that annual event that Chuck drives all the way from oklahoma to attend in northern idaho up there when he couldn't get into the states without taking the jab he had to cancel and that's when brent was tapped to take his place at that event at bonner's ferry this year so uh, peter hammond's a heck of a good guy i really like him i like listening to him i like it i love that colonial accent anyway you know It's a little different from the British accent, the colonial accent. It used to be same accent that uh, uh, that Robbie Noel had. You know, any of y'all, any of y'all remember Robbie Noel? Listening to Robbie Noel. I I do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very I fortunate. Was yes, he was on RBN. I was very honored and very fortunate. I got to do a couple of shows with Robbie, somebody I really admired back before I was doing radio here and still had my radio background. He had he had like me been spinning records when he was in, you know, in his teens uh down in South Africa and went through. Yeah, I remember him saying on the radio station they were on, they would not let them play Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So Robbie's no longer with us. He was in bad health, uh, but what an honor I had to be able to do some shows with him. I've got copies of them somewhere. Um, so anyway, and then, uh, of course, I had a very good friend, uh, very similar, was from Rhodesia in Argentina. His name's Johnny Hill, and uh, uh, Johnny was from Rhodesia, fought in that war down there, and uh, ended up in South Africa and immigrated to uh, Argentina, married an Argentine gal over there. Really, really good guy. Uh, good friend. So anyway, that's some of that stuff. And uh, we got anybody else with questions or comments? I got a comment, Roger. Hey, Samuel. Hi. Yeah, I wanted to comment on your performance last night. I, of course, I listened to the three interviews that you've done so far um, on RBN, and my feeling about your performance last night was. I think for a beginner, a newbie, that would probably be your best. Um, That's interesting feedback. The whole whole thing was, um, it had such a nice um, continuation in it uh, and moved the person through where I think it was really clear. I don't think there was any ambiguity in it. And, And you also, I would say in this interview appeared more relaxed you you, john was interrupting you more and you were trying to move it along so you were moving faster with your words which i think puts a little 
on comfort in the listener um just because you you feel pressured but this was very relaxed and um i don't know it, it just a feeling i got out of it it was uh I think for a beginner, you, 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 you really got the message across the best. Well, thank you, Samuel. I appreciate that. I kind of feel the same way. I thought it was a really good, I don't know, the presentation rather than performance, but I understand why you say that. Uh, and uh, I was really pleased that Tom uh, sat back and let me handle it, although when he was right there, because as you guys know, I like to engage. I like dialogue. And uh, 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 he was right there when that was thrown out at him. Um, but I believe that the two hours, uh, the two t- the separate times and the different hours, however many it was we'd spent together before that, had laid a real good groundwork for him. And he really saw it. And again, just like uh, Gary would tell us with Jim White up there, and when I got to the Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality, what did he say? I've had it open the whole time. He, I looked at that last night and read it over and over and over and over again because I couldn't believe what they were telling me. So he was right there, and that is a real key document. And thank you, big guy, for sending it to us and pointing that little four or five words out. All U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Coming from a State Department policy statement on the State Department's own website, you can't deny that. And the proof is, even with attorneys like uh, like our friend Anita, uh, our, our little Thai gal that's naturalized out there that had the I don't know if he's a boyfriend or what. He's a quote-unquote friend. And uh, there was a 31-year immigration attorney that when she approached him with this, he kept saying, don't do that. They'll deport you. They'll deport you. And and so I said, well, send him this and put it in front of him. And now he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) Now he doesn't even want to mention it. And if she brings it up, he won't talk about it. So uh, uh, it's kind of like, well, let's rub your nose in that a little bit here. And the funny thing, hold on, let me finish, Samuel. Just hold your thought. And the funny thing is, yesterday... He had sent me a, a email, I think yesterday or the night before, and he's telling me, I mentioned it yesterday here, I think, that he said, I've got an attorney friend who's very friendly to RBN, and I told him about this, and he thinks you're categorically insane. <laughs> and so that's why I made a couple of references to that during the program last night, and I'm anxious to get with Tom again and see about people like this attorney that thought I was insane. Who's insane now, Mr. Attorney? What were you going to say? Well, there was a. You phrased this in a certain way, and I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I remember how clearly you made it sound, and it was about the point of we're not expatriating, we're like repatriating. But the way you put it was the best I think I've ever oh, heard you put it. Also, okay. I don't even remember that part last night. So you're ahead of me. If anybody else remembers that or goes back and listens to the uh, recording, I'd like to know if it was that effective. We can repeat it because, you know, I don't keep notes on this stuff. It's just like off the top of my head. It's back like when I was teaching in school uh, in, in at the Art Institute, all this music business stuff. I, I knew that curriculum and that le- those lectures so well I could give them in my sleep. I'm not kidding you. Now, what that allowed me to do is very advantageous. Okay, It allowed me 
to train myself. All of a sudden, I realized that I knew that information so well I could be given the information, and I had part of my thinking free because I had I knew it so well. And so I could take the part of my thinking that was free and put it in front of where I was given that information so that I could gauge where I wanted to go with it. Okay, and that that takes some training and some skill to be able to uh, utilize that little difference fluidly. And so teaching it years ago, I I became aware of it and and started working on it. And I do that here. I do that, you know, anytime I'm in a situation where I'm using information that I really know, I can think ahead of myself and uh, decide where I want to go with it if there's some fork in the road there. So that's kind of an interesting thing thing again it's just a skill you know uh but uh, it, it's kind of unusual to be able to identify it and improve it you know polish it up a little bit so any other uh comments or anything from anybody well you did make rbn a little more listenable by uh, having them cut out those stupid commercials boy no kidding that's really nice and i appreciate tom doing that okay and uh uh uh, it just it make if we'd have had the commercials in there, I wouldn't have got all the information covered last night. Really, that would have chopped off three, six, at least fifteen minutes out of the presentation, maybe more. Yeah, that's really a good point because you really had a flow, and when it wasn't interrupted, like you say, and the continuity was there. That's probably also one of the values of it. I think you're probably right, and I'm going to have to go back and and thank Tom for doing that. Uh, And uh, it's his willingness to get this information out and his sense of the importance of it. And uh, I know several people wrote me and said, I was blown away. I can't wait till next Wednesday. And I'd send them back the documents and say, well, you don't have to wait till next Wednesday is the good news. If you want to join us, you can join us over here. And uh, that's why I keep asking if there's anybody new on here from last night. Uh, And we'll get some eventually, you know. Uh, But the others that are real loyal to RBN for whatever reason, if they want to wait till next week and noodle over this stuff, it's all right with me. Who was the Friday guest he kept talking about? It's an ex-Marine that's uh, uh, some sort of a gunsmith and a specialist on the Second Amendment. And I think he structured us because he had these two people, me and him, that he wanted to get on this week. And he put me first, and he told me last night, I think he mentioned it during the show, he said, I've alerted him, and he's listening tonight. As I was saying, you got gun guys and you militia guys, listen up here. Because, you know, we've, we've, we've run across and crossed paths with some of these guys but none of them have got, you know, hell, I had Larry Pratt on the show one time with Brent. Okay. Larry Pratt, the guy that founded Gun Owners of America. Now, we were talking about the Second Amendment. I didn't get into my stuff until the last part of the program, 30 minutes or so. But, man, it went right over Larry Pratt's head. That's the guy that founded Gun Owners of America. His son's running it today. Eric, I believe, is his name. So, you know, you'd think that of all the people out there, that that's the category, the militia guys and the gun guys, that would really, really be chomping at the bit to get this information. And they, you know, I guess they're so conditioned, they just, it bounces off of them like water off a duck's back, or that's my experience to this point. That's why I keep telling you guys, I treasure each and every one of you, because you're so rare. 
we are so rare. The ones that see this have the truth-seeking gene. No matter what our background or where we came from to the, this point, we we maybe even maybe even very slowly uh, attach ourselves to it. Some of you want to throw yourselves in the deep end of the pool, like right off the bat. Uh, but however you want to approach it, you're here and you see it and you follow through on it. And I just can't emphasize to you how important that is to me. And when you get out and start talking to people about this and, and you start trying to protect your liberty and help other people protect theirs, when you start doing that and start seeing the results uh, of, of how many frogs you got to kiss to get a prince or a princess, whichever sex you are, uh, uh, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about a little bit more. I guarantee you, Gary, Gary, uh, Gary understands it a lot better with the work he's been doing out there. Yes, Mr. Brent Bachman, you might. Okay. Um, the way I take it is, um, well, you know, I listen to Mark from Michigan. Well, of that crowd, it seems like only me and Dave and the Thumb have, you know, embraced what, you know, you're about. Uh, we can't get it through those guys' skulls, and we pretty much get short shrift over over it. Well, again, you know, it's why you some people just can't see it, and I don't. I honestly don't know what the difference is, except for that verse in the Old Testament where it says they have not a love of the truth. We know these guys are chasing the freedom thing, but did they not have a love of the truth? Why can't they see it? Have you put that that statement from the Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality? in front of them hey did you know you got a dual citizenship that seems to be a really 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 important arrow in our quiver so to speak well i well i put that in front of um you know mark's uh oldest son ed he runs the station and i think he pretty much just got the information and didn't even read it and um there's that crazy bachman what does he know uh what what uh what station is uh mark from michigan on now uh, it's liberty tree radio dot four mg dot com okay well that's a little bit of a complex address but who yeah, else yeah. who else do they have on over there brent um it's pretty much just them Okay, so they they don't um, go ahead. Yeah, uh, on Fridays, you know, they'll have uh, the militia town hall meeting, but you know, it's an added show, and they had a woman called Charlotte uh, on there, but you know, she's kind of on leave of absence right now. Well, you she know, was on on Fridays. I don't have any answer for the people like that. That should be, they're the ones that ought to be embracing this with open arms. Okay. Mm-hmm. I uh, think oh, they've been burnt too many times. Well, there's, know, a, the uh, there's a lot of mis and disinformation out there. I can't say it's all intentional. I think I'd like to think the best of our community. <laughs> Although I've been all, I've been proven painfully wrong a few times on that one. I'd like to impute the best into our community and the fact that everybody's really, even though they're off on different rabbit trails trying to achieve the same ends, but then I get people like Dennis Fecho, you know? You mean I gotta learn all that? Well, gosh, Dennis, you know, I mean, freedom ain't free. What can I tell you? You know, you're gonna have to sacrifice it. No, no, you don't have to learn it. You can, you know, pay me a couple thousand dollars. I'll send in one sentence to the guy for you 
you know and then you don't have to learn anything but nothing's going to change you're not going to know anymore because you didn't want to learn anything so the empowerment process never starts you can't even talk intelligently about your new status you certainly don't know how to defend it because you don't have the information because you paid somebody to do it for you okay so what good does that do well i'm a couple thousand dollars ahead and uh bad bad to you okay i mean it's just so it's such an exercise it's a jerk off okay really I was going to, if we had time, I was going to mention that last night. I probably will mention it next week. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't agree. Kel- Kelby Smith might be a fine guy. I don't know anything about his approach. I don't know what he's doing. I, I guess it's probably pretty legit or Lauren from Ohio wouldn't have paid him and wouldn't have him on there promoting it. But I do know that he, he's not doing anybody any good. Really? Except himself. See, I don't see I don't see this as a business, man. I don't want to charge you for your liberty. I want you to learn about it and us be brothers in arms. If I charge you for it, you probably are not going to learn about it, and we ain't going to be brothers in arms. She has her own show, and she even calls in on the other RBN host show and promotes it. Yeah, and and I'm sure, and I'm you know, all fairness to Lauren, I'm sure she's getting a kickback from his customers. Okay, so they've taken this and made a business out of it. Uh, I don't mind doing a personal consultation with people and charging them. I don't charge them thousands of dollars. I charge them one hundred fifty dollars an hour. Okay. I don't think that's absorbent at all. I mean, really, with my amount of knowledge, it should be double that or, or more. Okay, but I don't feel uh, justified in charging that. I didn't. I really put that out there. Do you know why I do? I started doing that years ago. We were still on the micro effect, and I had so many people. I want people on this platform asking those questions, not paying me to do it on the side. Okay. Now, I appreciate it now that I've done it with a few folks. I like doing it. I get to know you a little bit better. You know, we have a little stronger bond when people do that. But I'd rather have you on here asking the questions so everybody learns. Okay, so it's a group effort. And that was put on there. I thought initially it was $100 an hour. And I thought, well, $100 an hour in our Patriot group, that'll certainly steer people to do it here on the show. Well, it didn't. There's still people that want to do it on the side. So I raised it to 150 and I still, they want to do it on the side. Well, okay, I'll do it. You know, it helps me. I'm glad to do it. I get a better relationship with them, uh, and all that stuff. And some people for whatever their reasons are, uh, you want to do it that way. And that's fine with me. But my intent initially with that was to get your butt here on this platform. So everybody learns because what I learned in teaching was the only dumb question is the one that isn't asked and people are so hesitant to get on this platform and ask a question that may benefit no telling how many people that are listening okay and if we do it in a private consultation it's not covered that way you get the advantage of getting it and you get the fuller explanation but everybody else doesn't see and my whole deal is i've told y'all so many times we're not going to accomplish anything unless we got numbers and we're working as a team Okay, And so everything I do here and the way this whole thing is structured is to achieve that goal right there. And that's why I'm so against people charging for this. Especially, so what do you, you mean the only people that can be free are the ones that can afford the two, $3,000 for Mr. Kelsey? 
Well, what about the other people that want to be free? They don't have that money. Where are they? Are they up the tree without a paddle? Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that that ought to be a line of demarcation for the people that can achieve freedom is whether you got a little money or not. I mean, agree or disagree? Does that sound reasonable to you guys here? Totally agree. Okay. Agree. So anyway, that's why I do what I do. I don't give a flying crap about their damn money. Okay, really. I, I, I don't care about possessions. I learned long, long, long ago in my divorce. I've only had one, thank God. And I fought my wife for all the possessions because I was the one that was working, okay? And uh, and I got most of them, all right? And I learned after that, really, really, you know, the lessons you learn the hard way, okay, is that possessions don't love you back. All they do is cost you. They cost you money for upkeep. They cost you money for maintenance. They cost you anxiety about who's trying to steal them from you and all the rest of that stuff. And all they are really is an anchor around your neck in most respects. And I learned the lesson that I heard in a, a Rupert Holmes song when I was with Infinity Records. It's on Albert by Rupert Holmes that we had out. Remember the Pina Colada song, everybody? If you like Pina Coladas, that was Rupert Holmes. That was on Infinity. And on that album, there was a song he did, which I really liked, which exemplifies what we're talking about here. And the name of the song was Less is More. Less is more. And man, less is more. Okay. That's what I've learned. Want to argue about it? Roger? Yeah. Hey, Sam. I got a comment on Lauren. Okay. I, uh, I like I Lauren, man. I like, I've like. i heard her call into Joyce a bunch of times. I've not listened to her program, no. Okay, let me let me tell you my impression of her. I've listened to her own program as well as prior and stuff like that. This lives it. This isn't something she taught. Smith. Samuel, hold, hold on, because you're clipping a little bit, and I and everybody else want to hear exactly what you're saying. So let's see if we can get it you to repeat that maybe a little slower where you're not clipping or we can understand it easier. I heard you say you've listened to her a lot and uh, something about Kelby. If you could start that again, possibly a bit slower oh. so we can grasp it. Okay, uh, after listening to her over the years, uh, I realized that she didn't need anybody to tell her about this. She exactly. was living it. Exactly. Okay. My point, too. So when, Kel when, when Kelby Smith came along, he just happened to come along before you did to, in her life, is my opinion. No. And she embraced it. No. And I don't think she's, you know. I came I came before Kelby because she called in one of the times when I was on Joyce Riley's show many years ago promoting okay. the book. Okay. But what I see is that somehow she's hooked up with him. She paid him to go through I guess she tells the audience cuz she didn't have the time. Well, man, if you don't have the time to learn about your freedom, what are you spending your time well, on? Okay. Well, she's off. living the freedom. She didn't you know, the, the the paperwork she really doesn't seem to give a crap about. She doesn't even have it completed yet. 
She's living it, Roger. Like you say, it's about living it. It's not a piece of paper, okay? She's got an 80-acre farm that she's running and a bunch of kids and stuff. And uh, that makes you busy. I'm I'm sure it does. And I don't think she's colluding with this guy at all. I, I, and I, and and people call in and mention you, and she doesn't say anything negative to, about you. Right. She's fine. I, I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm saying something about people paying for their freedom here, and how much it short sheets you and all of us when that yes. is the option. And of course, I agree with that. But I'm just saying, in her defense, she lives it, and she yeah. always has. And and, and I More know that. Most. Well, I can remember here, and before she ever called in on my show, she called in, got through to Joyce regularly. Okay, and 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 and, and I could hear whatever she said, and I I would say to myself, well, that girl's been exposed to John and Glenn's stuff. I don't know how. I've never spoken with her. I, maybe we'll get the chance to. I hope so. Uh, because yeah. I think she's a really, she's a sh- obviously a super sharp lady. Okay. And uh, I'd love to communicate with her a little bit. And maybe we could even discuss this point here. And I could get my point of view. Well, would you like a lot of other people who are free uh, with farms around you and stuff? Okay. Well, doesn't she have a little blood on her hands for work, working for the pharmaceuticals? Uh, well, I mean, she, you know, we've all got, do I have blood on my hands for working for the music, Satanist music business? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we all make mistakes when we're young and foolish, you know. Well, does Alex Jones have blood on his hands because he paid for abortions when he was younger? I'll tell you what, Alex Jones, to have the balls to get out and admit that on his radio station, that says a lot about Alex Jones to me. Yeah, the the Bible says something like, uh, "Don't judge a man because you don't know how far he's come." To well, be you know, yeah, we got the modern colloquial version: "Don't judge a man till you walk a mile in his moccasins." Yeah. Okay. No, she's come a long way, obviously, uh, from doing what she was doing. Well, I'd like to uh, think that, you know, hopefully, and and again, Tom said, well, you want to come back next week. And, you know, the original way that this whole thing opened up was because supposedly, and you were one of the people that alerted me to this, Samuel, and us, was that they were looking to take hosts and plug them into different days of the week in Slap Miller Slot. Okay. Well, that hadn't come up. And, uh, uh, but all of a sudden I'm thinking Tom's wanting, he's wanting to do some shows and he's wanting to attach me to him. Okay. And so it may be that him and I are doing shows over there. I don't know. We haven't discussed it, but I do know this. I mentioned Brent the other night when we were talking, I said, I got an attorney, uh, uh, who's really into this. We've been doing shows for a long time, seven years. He goes, let's get him on. Let's get him on. So I expect we'll have Brent on over there at RB in here pretty soon at some point. Well, Tom pretty much said it in a nutshell. You know, this is not what he does. He's not good at it, and he doesn't want to be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think he, I'm, you know, the thing about doing this is it can get addicting. And it's a skill. It's something that developed, and you can hear people that are new at it and get thrown on the air, and they're nervous, and, and you can tell it. And, and uh, uh, it's just a skill, man. I mean, it's like public speaking. It's a skill. Uh did any of you, when you were in high school, did you ever have public speaking classes where you had to go in there and get up in front of people and give talks and stuff? Do you remember that? Or did any of you ever get involved with Toastmasters? That's another way people acquire that skill is the group oh, Toastmasters out there. Yeah, and the, and the better you know your subject, the, the less nervous you are. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know. So uh, anyway, it's uh, uh, it's something that I can understand, Tom. But I thought Tom did a real good job for somebody that hadn't done that very much. He's got quite a diversified, interesting background. Tom does. So I'm pleased to make his acquaintance, and I guess we'll be doing shows, or he'll cut me loose and give me an hour or whatever, you know. Uh, so well, yeah, a shot. Hey, hey, Wayne. And this is the guy that kind of was in, instrumental in getting Tom and I, I think, to this point. Others helped. But, Wayne, your connection with him was uh, very important, obviously. How you doing this morning? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. Just want to give a report that, uh, from what Tom says, uh, he got real good feedback from some of his closer contacts that were, were listening. So I think that was uh, very, very positive. And uh, along those same lines, another friend of mine that is very well versed in the legal side of things said he listened this to the whole show, but especially the second hour where you got a little more specific about the power of the passport along with the affidavit. And he said he just never realized that combination could really uh, be so effective to help people get their true citizenship status figured out. Well, you know, it's very interesting. I heard that same comment from Jim Prentice. Uh, Jim Prentice is a Jim Ram and I is that we have a mutual friend if Jim Prentice is still around if not we had a mutual friend uh, Jim Prentice was a retired homicide detective from Naples Florida and he had gotten turned on to this when he was doing police work you know because I remember him saying I made a comment about the two sets of law books in a library one time and he said I noticed that when I was still police and it was one of the things that really got me looking into this early Okay, and so after he retired, he hooked himself up with probably at that point about the premier researcher in the country was a guy just north of you there uh, in Oklahoma City, uh, Wayne, and his name was Dan Metter. Are you familiar with him? Have you heard his name? I've heard his name, and I knew he was a very uh, well-qualified legal researcher. Correct. I didn't read too much of his stuff. But yeah. Well, he really concentrated on the administrative state. See, and him and his wife are both deceased now, unfortunately, but he had a group of followers all over the country and he had organized enough to where he had research groups that would go in and look into all this stuff. And Jim Prentice was the leader of one of his research groups. And Jim Prentice is the guy that wrote me two weeks after the book is out. And he said, Roger, your book's a masterpiece. He said, I've read it 10 times in two weeks. 10 times in two weeks and gotten something different out of it every time. And he's the one that told me when we were talking one time, he said, we had everything except the affidavit. That's the one thing Dan Metter had not seized on either. And see, I would have never known that it had not it been for John Benson and his legal knowledge and understanding the power of the affidavit and what it was and how it was to be used. And again, because of that association and that familiarity, when I saw the passport application for the first time and saw the word affidavit in the warning language, I, I knew when I saw the word affidavit that I had them. I didn't know anything else, but my gut said, you got them, you got them. There it is. So it's very powerful. Yeah, exactly. And I think the second hour was particularly uh, effective because I think you related to a lot of things happening today and how people can should be able to see now some of the different tricks and different types of uh, oh things they try to pull over us that we just don't realize, you know, in our everyday life. And especially the fact that so many 
terms have two meanings, you know, colloquially as well as uh, legal. And uh, I think that's the kind of eye-opening information <clears throat> that uh, people will definitely uh, glom onto, especially when you next show, because I'm sure you're going to get some good questions and people throwing some different curveballs at you. So, I hope I, so. I, if I, that attorney calls in, I think that'll be uh, must must hear our radio there. Okay, well we'll see. You know, my as I told Tom, he was trying. You remember when we were on? He's going. Well, I'm trying to come up with some questions that I think people are going to ask you. And uh, the second time he said the same thing, I said, Tom, I've been doing this 11 years. I, I, I'll do respect. I don't think you're going to come up with something I hadn't been asked already. Okay. <laughs> and probably the same thing for next Wednesday, too. But that's okay. You know, certainly don't mind doing that. But uh, good. Well, that's good feedback that Tom yeah. uh, got that feedback. And, you know, the thing about this information, especially the way it was presented last night, well, you can't object to it because it's their information and it's right there in front of you. If you're going to object to it, you're going to look like a kind of a dummy, aren't you? Sure thing. Sure thing. And that's hey, the beauty on time. about having them. On time, uh, that, uh, that's the beauty wait. about having them by the short hairs. The one thing about Tom, go ahead. I just one quick thing there. Uh, uh, part of his background was uh, he was a technical advisor on the movie. Uh, Enemy of the State with Gene Hackman. Was he? And so, yeah. And some of the, uh, I think, uh, cameras and things like that, I think he was involved in setting all that up. So, huh. uh, we, you know, yeah, we've talked about that. It's a pretty interesting story there. It so is. His, his adventures there. So, yeah, I told him uh, one time, I said, forget about the guy in the beer commercial. You're the most interesting guy in the world. So. <laughs> Well, it's in, I'm really glad to cross paths with him. I feel like we've related real well, and I know one of your desires was that him and I could relate very well and have a good relationship, and I think we're on on our way to that at this point. I feel like that anyway. And, you know, when you're talking to somebody, especially for that length of time, a few hours, you can tell whether you're hitting it off and whether you relate or not just by the uh, the tension in the air or the lack of it, you know. Oh, yeah, it was a great conversation you know, last Friday, too. And I think for next week, I, I believe that if it can be really uh, brought to the forefront that everybody has the same issues, regardless of who they are listening to that show, we're worried about our personal uh, freedom, our family's freedom, and uh, the overreaching government. So the more uh, types of little things you can bring forward to let folks know that, hey, this is a process that can alleviate a lot of fears and grief in their life. It could be very, very uh, beneficial. And see, a lot of those folks last night that were first time exposed to this, I mean, their, their head's still swimming. And I know that it takes a few days for you to get your arms around this because there's so much stuff that generally people are not familiar with. And they've got to go in, validate that in their minds, do whatever research if they want to go, for instance, check out the Oath of Fealty on a search engine or stuff like that, learn about it, read about a warehouse receipt, verify what I was saying, understand again and go over in their mind. It, yeah, and everybody here will, will relate to this because we're all started at the same place when we weren't familiar with it okay and you can go back in your own personal circumstances and look at how long it took you to get your arms around it and comfortable with it to the point where you're going well hell i think i've got a question to ask now but you, you didn't have that understanding for a bit you know so i understand people are taking a drink out of a water hydrant kind of for the first time they get exposed to this and even the most adept of people i generally think it takes a little bit for it to settle in with them and for them to get their arms around it 
Absolutely. You know, for Roger, uh, uh, another quality of, I think, this, I kind of call it performance, because Shakespeare says that all the world is a stage. <laughs> um, you, you didn't come off at all, and that, I think, is part of that statement that I was talking about, that you sort of, I, I would repeat if you can, be, but you didn't come off as anti-government, anti-military, or anti-American, and you're going to have a lot of these Zionist, so-called Christians out there, that are going to be offended that they're finding this message out. Could be. I mean, it's actually the opposite. It is pro-American. It is pro-government, constitutional government, and the way we were set up and intended to operate. It's pro all those things, you know. And that's yeah, that's well, what I'm saying. Because that was one of the lines they used to use, you know. And I, my my second wife had one of the most arrogant asshole sons, and him and his wife hated me because they called me anti-government oh you're anti-government i go i'm not anti-government at all i'm pro-government pro-constitutional government what government are you pro for you know but again this is that dialectic and the way they throw out anti-concepts but they were doing that to the people that don't know what they're talking about they've never they won't call me anything because they don't want to give me or my information or message any publicity anybody can check out okay i mean i could have got on there and i could get on here for two hours and say you sorry satanist kike bastards uh, you kike bastards you're a bunch of satanist kike bastards please i'm begging you put me on the adl and the sodomy pedophile larceny center hate list please put me number one and please spell my name right please 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 you satanist kike bastards and they'll never do it that's music to my ears <laughs> Well, you see, the, what I've learned is this: if all these guys that are getting persecuted by these creeps like Alex Jones and them, well, you want to protect yourself, learn this message and start teaching it. They won't touch you with a 10-foot pole. It's super kryptonite to super ferrocyte. Because they're scared. To, that's why I tell you guys they're scared to death of this information. They'll never tell you that, but if you know the enemy and you know how they react, you can see it. It's like a flashing neon sign. Why? Because they don't say nothing. And remember, uh, uh, Andy, Andy, <laughs> I heard Andy describe them one day as those who always have an answer for everything. Well, they don't have an answer for this. They've been caught red-handed slaving murdering, lying, thieving, and everything else they do, and they can't deny it. They can't rebut it. They can't call you names for fear of drawing people to the message. They just stand there mute and guilty. Because just, they can't, wanna... because, hold on, Samuel, because they can't deny it, they got to stand mute, silence deems consent, Go get me the rope with that 13 wraps on it, would you, Samuel? <laughs> I I just don't want to leave out their goy collaborators or maybe even masters. Well, no, they need to go too, but these are the these are the ring, you know, uh, it, when when Glenn and John were getting sentenced and Glenn told me this and the judge looked at Glenn and he said I think you're the ringleader for this. I'm going to give you extra time. 
I think that applies here. Being a national is the uh, ivermectin of truth to the parasites that run the planet. It is. Hey, Scott, how you doing down there on the coast, big guy? All right, all right. I just thought of that while you were saying this. It just it clicked. You know, it is. It really is. It, sh- it shuts it down. It, sh- it stops it. It destroys the parasite. I mean, you ever been in control forever? You know, for so long. Hey, you there, you know, there, there's there's probably two things that'll make the 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 blood drain out of their face this is one of them and the other one is to, <laughs> the other one is to get in front of them and use one word obadiah i heard that we'll see uh, you said that what was the definition behind that obadiah obadiah is the shortest book in the bible it's a page and a half in the old testament I'd highly uh-huh. advise all of you to go read it it's about the downfall of edom and how they get all their possessions stripped Ah, well, that's perfect for me with my, with my short attention span. That's, that's, <laughs> you can get through my, that. My in-depth reading. <laughs> no, but the, uh, I could probably I could probably read that within a month. Yeah, you, know? you might could between in between shrimp salads. Who was trying to say something there? They'll be left to stubble, right? Obadiah. Yeah. yeah. Eat them will be stubble. Yeah. Another one of those things we're not aware of, but they are. Obadiah. Uh, so anyway, it was a pretty good uh, quote-unquote performance last night. <laughs> Thank you, Samuel. Uh, I'd rather use the word presentation, but I understand how those are somewhat interchangeable. Uh, and I feel like we'll uh, get some mileage off of it, some probably a lot of new followers eventually, maybe a few over here joining us and uh, may even get my foot in the door over there at RBN. Uh, it's still a possibility that I might have a slot on uh Mike Adams pro uh, uh, network uh, Gary and my mutual friend Jim White uh, is asking are you sure do you want to slot over there on the network because I'm sure Mike's probably still looking for people and what I told him is yeah I wouldn't mind doing that but it's very difficult with an hour him restricting people to an hour because he wants to get a lot of different voices on I'm not sure that's the right approach but he's welcome to it and uh, uh, if I could get some way of having this on tape with him i'd like to ideally the ideal to uh experience would be for mike and i to do one continuous broadcast three hours or you could go over not only the two hours we went over last night but bring in an extra hour of color and different aspects of it have him split that into two presentations an hour and a half a piece put out one one day and one the next day and then that basis would be the basis for me to get on and do an hour show because anybody that wanted to listen to it could listen to that and then come on and and we could do questions and answers there on the radio network we'll see if that works out or not um i'm not pushing any of these things i'll suggest them i love our little platform here and our group and our home and we got two hours of uninterrupted conversation here and i i love working with paul english who's done so much for me uh and us and also uh, the new our new uh relationships with andy and having jim ram here following us jim ram is just a such a trooper and you know how jim and i met do you do y'all know how jim and i met I don't think we either one of us have ever told that story much. Uh, I was doing this, and this guy named Jim Ram gets a hold of me. And he starts asking me about the affidavit. I didn't know who he was. 
and uh uh and i i said well uh why don't you come on the radio show and ask your questions because i like for everybody to benefit from them and jim came on and that's how we formed our relationship and then it ended up i was over there with him at uh uh with uh, chris ego's outfit he's still over there and um and when then when i formed this and we went this direction and i asked jim if he'd like to be here and he said he'd love to be here he's really in strong into the message and uh felt that we were going to go somewhere eventually and and here jim follows us and uh we've never met we've become close friends we got as i said mutual friends like jim prentice and i'm tickled to death to have jim following us here especially now that we got the jitsi situation straight and we can just transition from one program over to the other and uh so uh, it's just it's wonderful what we've got here and i'd like to use this as our home platform because of the advantages it brings us but having a you know a cameo here and a cameo there or something regular cameo ish over there at rbn one day a week or whatever it might work out with brighty on or whatever else uh what other opportunities may present themselves um i think we got a very good base and i i like you know the big advantages that i see and of course i've been doing this a long time and fighting the frustrations if you will and the big advantages i understand now why it hadn't taken off before and that led to a lot of frustration for me previously you know you're banging your head against a wall because it feels so good when you stop kind of thing and i'd i'd get on there i pour my heart out i got the information here's this freedom thing and you can't get you can't get it to grow very much you know and uh i i got frustrated a great deal with it at times but never really undetermined uh i did contemplate quitting a few times not real seriously because i understand the importance of it nobody else understands it if i quit and walk away we're right back in the same boat we were in before we're ships sailing on the land okay and uh so all, all those things i can look back now and realize that I didn't understand it well enough and could explain it simply enough the years ago to have that effect. Well, that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is the people were still fairly complacent. Life was still all right, tolerable, and they weren't really looking for answers. Well, both of those situations have changed, and that leads us to where we are now. And I'm very positive about, as I've said numerous times this year ahead of us, I think we're going to do some real damage with this this year. So uh, that uh, little deal last night was, you know, one more, pardon, pardon me, Pink Floyd, one more brick in the wall. So questions, comments? No questions. Nobody new on there. Hey, Roger, look, I had this. I've been trying to get Roger, on. There's somebody. I, bring it on. Bring it on. I think the um, driver's license <clears throat> is seen by our state departments as a domestic passport. What do you think? Yep. Yep. And, and, and pretty soon if they try and do this mandate thing and you're trying to go from one state to the other, they're going to say, no, we're going to refuse this passport because it doesn't have a vaccination thing on it. <coughs> I personally think that's a threat. Another one of these threats they're hanging over people. But they may try and get desperate enough to enforce it. I can't imagine them putting a state trooper at every county road that crosses a state line somewhere. 
and I can't imagine them do it on the interstates and putting roadblocks up there and having something like's going on in Virginia. Are those people still up there in that 60-mile traffic jam? Does anybody know? You know what I'm talking right. about? Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> the politicians. <laughs> uh, hey, did any of you guys see that um, that uh, National Guard general that Alex had on yesterday with his dog? None of you guys are watching Alex these days? I heard some of it, Rogers. But that guy's pretty sharp. He was super sharp, wasn't he, Wayne? I loved his dog, man. Yeah, and I think he uh, he traded lightly about a few subjects, but I think it's pretty clear that uh, he see, he's seeing the light and he's trying to get the word out. That's what's really going on. Man, and I see that's the kind of guy that needs this information. Yep. Uh, I was really interested with how they demeaned this congressman out of Houston, who I've seen. I didn't know who they were talking about originally, but when they showed his picture, I, I remembered him, a guy named Crenshaw, Ben Crenshaw. You familiar with him, Wayne, out there being a Texas guy? Yeah, Dan Crenshaw oh, is Dan. his name, and uh, he's turned out to be a real disappointment. I think he's uh, you know, a rhino extreme, and uh, when Alex referred to him uh, as the as the gay pirate, <laughs> I started cracking. Yeah, with patch. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's uh, he's definitely a rhino, big time. He he's kind of must be slimy. Was the impression I got? They everybody knew it over there on the set. They all knew that he had some dubiousness attached to him in the background that well, ordinarily people from that area might not know. You know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting, and I was real impressed with Mr. General. I don't remember what his name was, but I sure did like his attitude. Yeah, definitely. And I think the fact that he's bumping up a lot of bureaucracy along the border and within Texas itself, uh, I think that lends more credence to the fact that Abbott isn't, you know, he talks a good game and he's probably done some decent stuff. But uh, I tend to lean more towards Alan West only because being ex-military, he – understands that we're in a war and uh, these attorneys just want to do more lawsuits and hearings and all this crap. And I think Alan West has the right idea to go in and go after the infrastructure of all this human trafficking and drugs and all that. Well, you know, what we need now is we don't need politicians that wet their finger and put it up to see which way the wind blows like Abbott. Okay. Because that's what I consider him to be. We need statesmen like Lewis T. McFadden. Okay, and people that go, I don't care whether it's left or right. I care whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, and that's that's why I think Alan West is a step above uh, some of the other candidates now. And I hope he gets a little more traction because, uh, uh, again, he he's not doesn't have the total name recognition. But I think the people that have heard him speak in person, like I have, there's no doubt about it that he could uh, really lead uh, you know a lot of people into battle against this. Um, on a different note, cause you guys are right there in the DFW area. I, and I, I need to plug this gal into you is an old friend. I've known her family, gosh, for 25 years or more. Uh, I've actually met several of them. 
uh, this gal included, who's taken a trip down to Ecuador uh, after I moved here and came down to uh, Argentina when I was there also. And uh, the family was from Michigan. Her father is now deceased, was a pastor. They were all homeschooled. And uh, her brother, I've mentioned him before, uh, is named Joel, uh, and the last name is Bonnick. And uh, Joel is up in Montana, and he's the guy that got elected to the Montana legislature a number of years ago, 10, 12 years ago maybe, and was the one that ran that gun bill through where the feds had no authority over firearms manufactured and sold inside the state of Montana. And, buddy, they got hacked off at him. They ran him out one term's all he got, and then they started screwing with him in his personal life. Uh, but anyway, uh, his his sister, one of them, the one I know, is named Ruth. And she lives, uh, she lives there between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth, somewhere in some ritzy subdivision, because her and her husband, she's retired now, her husband's still active, is one of the honchos at American Airlines in operations there. Okay. And she was told I hadn't heard from her in quite a while. And I got a message from her. I could open it up and read it, but I'm just going to, I think she said there was a 156 pilots at American that have refused to get the jab and they won't let them fly. And part of all this cancellation of flights is because the flight crews are coming in and they won't fly on a plane with a vaccinated pilot and co-pilot. They refuse to fly with them. And that's the reason a lot of those cancellations are happening. And I mean, evidently, there are thousands of them. I heard a guy from Las Vegas on Rents the other night who was saying there was a group stuck there. I guess CES is this week in Las Vegas. Do you all know what CES is? Nobody knows. It's uh, They have it twice a year, used to, uh, and the reason I know about it is they had it in Atlanta a few times. That's a consumer electronics show. It's one of the biggest trade shows in the United States and all year. And traditionally, it's in Las Vegas because they got all the facilities to handle the crowds. Uh, they didn't have one last year. And they have have are having one this week. They cut it a day short. It was supposed to last through Saturday, and they've cut it off at Friday. And all the people that were flying in and out of the airport there are having a hell of a time getting out of town or getting into town. And he was talking about a group that they were trying to get out of town back to where they were from. And the, finally, the airline said, well, we don't think we can even possibly get you on a flight for four days and to get out of town they had to go rent a u-haul one-way u-haul and get their group in the u-haul somehow and leave town and go back to where they're coming from so this is a real big problem around the country and it goes right back to having the pilots mandate vaccinations to keep their jobs kind of interesting huh I think the same thing's happening with Southwest Airlines, too. I'm sure it's happening with all of them. Okay, yeah. Same thing's happening with a lot of soccer clubs. You know, some of the, I mean, the one of this guy, Agrera, I heard Jim mention him yesterday. Uh, and I, I'm a little more conscious of that than you guys are because of my time in Argentina. And uh, he was an Argentinian. Um, it's funny, you... Uh, you uh, uh, meet people, and, you know, when I'd say I live in Argentina, <laughs> I remember this guy. I don't remember where I met him. Uh, everybody's always got a funny comment about Argentina generally, you know, like they give you their sympathies. I live in Argentina. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. 
But I remember meeting one guy one time, and I said something about Argentina. He said, Avita Peron and Lionel Messi. <laughs> now, you guys probably wouldn't understand. You might understand Avita Peron. Do any of you know who Lionel Messi is? The famous soccer yeah, player? Yeah, I know Yeah, Football. I mean, he, he's, he's as famous around the world as, as, as Peron, really, okay? And, and he plays for Real Madrid, and, or Madrid Real, however they say it. And uh, they spotted him as a very young talent when he was, I don't know, in his teens, uh, early teens, I think, and picked him up and have supported him all these years. And he's a superstar for uh, Madrid Real, and everybody in the world knows who he is. That follows soccer. Everybody that follows soccer knows who Lionel Messi is. And so he said that's the most famous people Argentina's ever produced. I had to laugh, man, because it's pretty true. I mean, do you know that today in Buenos Aires, Avita Peron is still the single most popular tourist attraction in the entire country? Avita Peron's grave. Okay? So, I- I- incredible. It's a, I really, You know, I really liked Argentina. There's a lot of things I really liked about living down there. Uh, it's just too bad the financial and the political overrode anything else you could enjoy because they had such an impact on your day-to-day life living there. Question. Yep. Hey, Mike. I have. Uh, you I, old, you I, old, you old donkey! You come on, bay, bay yeah, for us, bay. It, it, it's tough having to put up with the mental level of donkeys, but that's the way it is. <laughs> Since people hadn't heard me, you know, that's the reason I write in all caps is so I can be heard. Because <laughs> you YouTube uh, didn't didn't like all caps and were politically correct, which I was not. <laughs> you got to quit shouting, man. <laughs> well, if you believe it makes noise, I just couldn't <laughs> accept that concept of uh, the letter. You weren't buying that, were you? No, I didn't. That's the reason I left it, and, and then I decided, hey, if you heard all this stuff from a donkey, it would be even better. <laughs> How about writing the government saying, would you quit shouting on my documents, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to. I, I claim being uh, chronologically uh, in time quite long, so therefore I must be blind. <laughs> But anyway, the reason for well, the comment. We're quite, we're quite, in, you know, we're quite honored and privileged to have blind donkeys around here. So come on. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> the reason for jumping in is I've got a uh, an acquaintance or a friend that's a businessman who is a retired federal marshal. So Ooh. my question, when talking to him, uh, I'm going to ask him. Uh, you know, are you still getting some sort of retirement paycheck from the government? Would that cause him any problems? Nope, shouldn't. If well, it does, if it does, he may get even more money out of them in a real nice fat discrimination lawsuit. Okay. Any other thoughts? No, that's about the main one. I haven't seen any instances, military or anything else, where a change of status had any effect. Because, once again, then they'd have to come out, if you wanted to go after them, they'd have to come out and defend the fact that both statuses are the same thing and they hadn't been telling you about it, and so there's fraud involved. That's why they probably would never do anything, and I think because they can't, the other reason. Yeah, well, I'd like you brought up the concept of the... uh, third uh, status 
that yeah. was good and interesting. Yeah, it took me a while to stumble on that. You know, it hit me one day. I said, because I'm always saying there's only two statuses. Well, the, the free and slave, and the third status works into the three. But there's three different statuses in our country, and they had to create the third one to try and hide the first one. Well, we've heard you say that, just haven't heard you articulate the third status. Yeah, well, it's something, you know, It's a, as I said, this is a process, and that's a perfect evidence of it, because I didn't realize that until, you know, a year or so ago. Okay, well, I will shut up with my No, client. no, please, bring now, some more questions on. We like the social intercourse. Hey, Roger, I have a question for you. All right, good. Who's, who's this? It's Dave. From oh, hey, okay, Dave. Hey, bud. Hey, um, uh, I feel stupid for asking this, but um, a state citizen and national is basically the same thing. It's it, a no, citizen of a small no state. it's not. It's not basically the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It's exact. Okay. Okay. Now, let me show you how how to keep that clear in your mind, and you can just look at it a little different. Okay. And you're gonna have to do this visually. Shouldn't be too hard. We're gonna draw two vertical lines. Okay. And on the left, we're going to go with the state citizen. And the state citizen, the way the country was founded, you got your rights from God, and so you owed your duties, therefore, to God. So God was in the first position on the vertical line. State citizen was second because you were the one directly receiving and owing the duties there. And if you were a state citizen, the third position is you were a citizen of the United States of America, which is a national citizenship. That's where they got the term national. But you couldn't be a national citizen unless you were a state citizen. And that's what Chief Justice Story said back in the early 1800s when he wrote one of his, uh, uh, one of his books. was called Common, Com Commentary on the Constitution. And in there he quotes exactly, and what he says is, a state citizen is ipto facto. Was Latin for by the mere fact. State citizens, ipso, ipso facto, a citizen of the United States. Now, at that point, there was no 14th Amendment. And so people would use that shortened abbreviation, United States, and it didn't have the technical definition that it had after the 14th Amendment when there was clearly a federal citizenship. Okay. But this is in the early 1800s, and so a state citizen is by the mere fact that you're a state citizen, you were a citizen of the nation. Now, what did they do with the 14th Amendment? They brought mainly the black man, not exclusively. That's another thing, Mike, that I've just stumbled on recently, you know, an understanding, and we can go back and talk about it. But it less suffice at this point to keep on with what I'm saying. You got the second vertical line there, and the blacks were property. They were the object of someone's property rights. And so they wanted to bring them on and give them this federal citizenship, which was a big void in the system, evidently. There was no way that because they weren't a state citizen, if somebody was born and raised in D.C. or the territories, they couldn't be a national citizen. There was no category for them. It was a big void. Okay? Right. And so they brought the blacks off the southern plantation, and the government gave them their citizen of the United States status. So in place of God on the left side as the originator, now on the second vertical line, you've got the federal government. And the federal the government— U.S. 
Correct. You got the U.S. giving you rights and privileges and civil rights, and to them you owe the duty. And if you reside in a state, you're a state citizen third. So you see what they did? They flipped them. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I just never put that together. I was laying in bed last night. I was like, well, basically a national is the same thing as a uh, citizen of a small estate. Yeah. And, and that's why I say try and get away from the labels and concentrate on the mm-hmm. concepts. Because if you're concentrating on the concepts, well, who's free? A national's free. A state citizen's free. Uh, a non-resident alien's free. Uh, uh, you know, a non-citizen national's free. All those things, even though they got different labels on them, are the same thing. Uh, a, te- mm-hmm. a, a, a person in Title Eight, whatever that section is, that's uh, is born in the outlying territories, he's free. Okay, but they call it something different in every case. And I maintain, as I can look back on it and understand it the way I do now, I can look back and I hang that right there as a main reason our community has not gotten any further with this than we've gotten. People start chasing labels and definitions. And as we've seen in the things we've covered today, a national owes total allegiance to the U.S. in an IRS publication. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they're out there to buffalo you and get you going down wrong tracks. And oftentimes, I've thought of out in the Old West, the Indian scouts who were so proficient at what they did, you know. And if you'll remember the stories, when they were scouting the cavalry, they'd go to the top of the hill and they'd look over there and peek over it and see what the Custer and his guys are doing. And then they'd turn around and they'd back out with a brush and brush over their footprints and that's exactly what these bastards do Mm -hmm. that's a good analogy Uh, they're slick man Uh, you can't imagine how slick these bastards are until you really start getting into the minutia and this stuff like we discuss here and and what they've done and how they've hidden it yes who was trying to say something there uh it's doug i have a Doug, Doug, doug 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 how we doing bud Fine and dandy. Uh, it's cold here, though. 22 yeah. with the wind chills. Nine. Youch. Get your long johns on. I got my insulated pants on. Okay. Good deal. Uh, keep Big John so, and keep Big John and the twins warm there, would you? <laughs> no comment. Uh, so, uh, number one, when you mention citizen of a state is the same as a U.S. national. I pulled my passport card out, and they have my place of birth as Massachusetts. Okay. USA. All right. So, which state do I have allegiance to? My original birth state. Or the one I'm living in now. Well, you've been in that one. You probably, it, I don't think it makes that much difference. You're probably okay. technically a state citizen of Massachusetts. But, you know, the way the forefathers set the, the country up, it was that to put these states and pit them against each other. 
and the ones that offered the best deal and the fairness and the best opportunities are the one that people would want to move to and when they move to it that state would benefit from the tax base and the place like massachusetts which wants to tax the hell out of you you got out of and now they're suffering so massachusetts goes back and starts rearranging and revamping what they're doing in hopes of attracting people so it was put up as a positive competition between the states so that the one that did things the best way would benefit the most and be an example to the others yeah competition so the second question is on the uh, passport card it under the nationality it says USA and which would of course mean United States of America not the United States correct so I'm I'm wondering if people who have not uh, submitted the affidavit get you get you theirs identified as U.S. and not USA. I don't know. We'd have to go find somebody that's got. Hey, John, when you get your non-affidavit included passport card back, please let us know. (laughs) Actually, I know someone, and I can check it out tonight. Well, there you go. Okay, and it'd be interesting for us to know if if that's one of the real subtle little deals they put in there. Because if you look at the passport book... You'll see they've got both on the on the page where it's your picture and all the language and stuff there at the front. They got both. Mm. They say United States in a place or two, but in the background on the wallpaper, it says USA. And it has the statement, passports are only issued to citizens and nationals. Mm. On the on the book? It says, it sa- it says I'm, if I remember right, it says it in the book somewhere. On that hmm. on that page with the information on it. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll find out. And and it doesn't say they're know. only issued to citizens and non-citizen nationals. It says nationals. Here, they don't use the non-citizen nomenclature. These are some shifty little little satanic bastards right here. Okay. They're very skilled at what they do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No problem, Doug. Stay warm, bud. Um, so uh, who else has got comments or questions here, man? It's a good, good show today. I think we've covered a lot of very important ground and um, just tickled to death to have all of you guys involved with this. And I think we got a tremendously strong nucleus of very strong, freedom-loving people, and you guys have gone the extra mile to learn the information and understand it, and you you, then you become a beacon, and, and hopefully as we go forward and more and more people are looking for answers, the white power, because that's what we are, not white in ethnicity, but white in goodness. And as we've said on here, you know, the things I've learned about power, just from coming to understand it, is that dark power has to reach out and touch you to exercise its power. We're going to come mandate it, or else you got to volunteer into going into their clutches. Okay, but white power attracts because people want what you've got. The other, they're trying to exercise what they want to do to you. And the other opposite 
positive power, if you want to call it that, attracts, like Jesus. Jesus and, and, and spirituality is a good example. Uh, and so that's what we want to be, is people that live our lives right, that have the answers, and people see the contentness and the power that we've been able to achieve with this, the re-empowerment, and they want what we've got. And then they're going to start coming to you and and go, hey, man, remember that thing you mentioned to me a couple six months ago about that national thing? It can, can I get a little explanation? i got a couple of questions. Are any of you getting that at this point? I get it. You know, i got a guy down here, my friend Walt. Roger, can we go have lunch, man? I want to ask you about this national thing. You know, and I don't I don't go out and beat people up on it anymore. I'm no I know now that's not the way to do it. And but you gotta plant the seed. Now once you plant the seed, you've fulfilled your requirement from the old testament of being the watchman on the wall. You see danger coming, you know what it is, you've got absolved yourself of guilt by telling people about it. It's if you don't tell them about it that you got the blood on your hands. If you see it and don't tell them, now you're guilty. Now if you tell them and they don't do anything, well, it's their problem, okay? But you fulfilled okay. your obligation, and that's what you want to do, and you plant those seeds. Yes, Mr. Mike, please. Well, my seed uh, <laughs> trial, even though I'm uh, still very ignorant and don't know anything and working on my project, when I mentioned, oh, I'm uh, working on, uh, I think there's a way I can lower my income tax. Well, I get interest. Of course, I'm not explaining how, just saying, well, and I get my paperwork done, and kind of know what I'm doing, I'll explain it later. But there's a possible way that you can pay less tax. Yeah, you sure can. And I'll tell you what, you can buttress that statement by going to, oh, God almighty, of all places, Wikipedia. Who would have dreamed that Wikipedia, as corrupt, as notoriously corrupt as they are, would be a positive source and resource for us? And you go to that Citizenship of the United States page. Have you seen that, okay. Mike? You know what I'm talking about? No, or I do know. I just never go to Winnipedia for you know normal reasons. Well, you don't want to go to Winnipedia. You want to go to Wikipedia, okay? <laughs> and when you get over there, you go to Citizenship of the United States, and on that page, the first two paragraphs are exclusively about the Fourteenth Amendment, and then they quote part of the Fourteenth Amendment, and then underneath that, in the third paragraph, is a paragraph on state citizenship. But they started out with nationality status, those words. Then they go into the state citizen deal. And one of the statements in there is it has repercussions on your income tax. Yeah, like whether you pay any or not. <laughs> oh, well, I what I'm doing is I'm basically building me a book of the, the paper trail which explains and yes i will go there and copy that information to go into my notebook because i'm basically writing a book on the side so to speak okay good deal well here's a couple of court cases y'all put at the front it's the ones i used with jim white i think these are extremely relevant and extremely accurate and they lead is it the same as in, in uh, your affidavit at the back of the book no not really uh, because okay. these are things I didn't know about uh, Downs v. Bidwell back then, okay? But the first case you ought to put in there is Downs v. Bidwell. Are you familiar with that? Not yet. Okay, well, you need to be. And again, amazingly enough, go to Wikipedia and put Downs, just like it's spelled, D-O-W-N-E-S, v. Bidwell, just like it's spelled, sounds. 
And as you read down the description of the case, that site is what they pull out of the case and put in Wikipedia. And it's the site from uh, the dissent in, in Downs v. Bidwell from the great Justice John Harlan, the great dissenter. Was it, he was so great, he had his own nickname, the great dissenter. Okay, And he goes over and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we have two different forms of government at the bar. One constitutional, the other the one, the monarchies of Europe. I'm paraphrasing and cutting it down. He's much more eloquent. Okay, And he said, if we'd follow this one uh, of the monarchy at the bar, we're going to be up the tree without a paddle, basically. And so that's the one I had Jim White open the show with the other day. And at the end of it, I said, uh, pretty clear there's two forms of government there right and he said yeah and i said well is there's two forms of government you think there's two types of citizenship duh okay and that'd be one that i'd uh, put there and the second one you might put is uh, that uh, on state citizens from wikipedia and uh, then uh, the, with Jim, I put a third one in there, and it's a, a, I'm sure it's an appellate-level site. It's very short, and it's the, I got it off Copper Moonshine still, actually. They got some great sites over there on that. Uh, and um, the site was, unless the person can prove they're not a citizen of the United States, the IRS can go on to assessment and collection. I don't think that's what they use, but that's basically what they're saying. So the court at the appellate level said, unless you can prove it, and they don't have a little footnote there that says, oh, by the way, here's how you prove it. You submit some sort of a statement to the Secretary of State. They didn't put that in the case. All right. And then, yeah, I then ran, go ahead. I ran across a, a short little newspaper clipping article that supposedly the question was brought before the Supreme Court on a definition from them of citizen, and they declined to give it. Oh, really? Well, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and then after that one where it says the person, if the person can't prove they're a citizen of the United States, well, after that, you use that 1835 case that I never can pronounce correctly, Ubututu-VDRC. If you don't have these, Mike... Just drop me an email. I'll, I'll send you the exhibit page I sent to, to Jim okay, White. Okay, well, I, I'm currently recording you, and I can catch the words, slow it down, and pick it out of the text. Or okay, the well, the problem is I can't. I, I don't have them in front of me, and I can't quote them exactly. And you want to put them in your book exactly, okay? But this is the 1835 case. Now, remember, that's is 1835. That's a full of uh, 25 years before the Civil War and 14th Amendment and two separate statuses. And he's talking about the act or fact of citizenship. And what they say in there is the passport. It has to do with both subjects that we're so keen on, the passport and the affidavit. And they covered both of them in this very short site. Have you ever heard us cite that before? Well, I've been here so short, so I'd okay. have to well, say you might, you no. Might, okay, well, you might not have. Uh, it's from 1835, and the Supreme Court says it, a passport, is a document used to uh, uh, identify somebody to a foreign nation, this, that, and the other. It's an, under the law of nations. It specifically mentions the law of nations, Vattel, okay? And it goes on, and it says, but, however... 
if this is a question of the act or fact of citizenship, it's whatever paperwork is in possession of the Secretary of State, which, if if admissible in a court of law, should be considered the higher and better evidence. So well, it's telling you. Oh, it's a, are you kidding me? You know, listen, I never found that. Some listener sent it to me. Don't know who it was. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay? And it's right there before the Civil War, before a second type of citizenship was established, that it's whatever's in control and the paperwork in your administrative folder. This is why they'll never bring any of us to court. Because but I that, like the paper trail. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, the reason that, you know, and that's a very common question. Well, what if I get brought to court? Well, first of all, you've changed status and all those man-made laws don't apply to you. If you've wronged somebody and you've injured somebody and they bring you to court on property damage or something, well, you shouldn't have done that and you deserve to be there. Okay. And they're not, you're not going to be able to do that on a federal level. Because there's no federal common law, and you're not a federal citizen where any of their man-made laws apply to you. So if you did wrong somebody, you're going to get brought into state court where the common law still exists, all right? And the reason they're not going to bring you into court if that isn't the case is because you have filed that with the Secretary of State, and it's in your administrative folder, and therefore it's in the court of record, the administrative state, and because it's there, you can bring it into any court proceeding, and it bypasses the rules of evidence, which is where they're real skilled at keeping these things out. That's, well, that's why. a good dissertation. Okay. So that's why. But, yeah, that's a really, really important site. And it's just got, when it, when you get it, I, I challenge you, if you can pronounce that name and get it back to me, I'd, I'd love to have a correct pronunciation on it because I don't think I've ever pronounced it right. I think it, Jeff's got it pretty good. Chris used to have it, but Chris is no longer with us, unfortunately. Uh, but well, I think it's Ubuntu. It's like he was an African guy or something. And there was some question on his citizenship in this case in the, that day and time, and that's where that came from. Well, if I can pull the clip out of the audio, well, maybe I can slow it down a little bit and Mike, beat it over. Send me, Mike, just send me an email, and I'll send you all of them accurately. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well I'm, I'm lazy and would, would ride your shirt tail for sure. Well, yeah, please. I mean, and I want you to be exact. And when we're quoting this stuff to people, and I fall through the cracks here occasionally, you want to be as exact Roger. as possible. Yes, there's somebody. Is that Patrick? This is Patrick. Yeah, I think is that a Supreme Court case? Yes. Uh, where is it? A landmark case where that was a Chinese guy. Ubuntu or something like that. I can't oh, oh, oh! You're yeah, talking about one? No, no, no! You're talking about Wong Kim Ark. You're talking about Wong ah, Kim Ark. Okay. Wong Kim Ark was in 1896. This was in 1835. Wong Titiqui. Er, What what is it, Brent? Er, Two really standard American names. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. Um. 
So anyway, we're getting towards the end of the show here today. Been a pretty good two hours. I think we covered some pretty good ground. Obviously, tomorrow's Friday and uh, first Friday of the new year, I guess, right? And uh, we'll have Mr. Brent Winters on because I hadn't heard otherwise. And as you guys know, he likes being with us. And uh, uh, it's funny. Brent and I have never met, and we've become pretty close friends through this medium here. And I think back on some of the shows we've had and the most memorable one to me, I think, was when he was up in Alaska. Somebody brought him up there, and he was up above Anchorage, because I used to live in Anchorage. I know that area in the Matanuska Valley and around Palmer, Alaska. And I was in uh, Argentina, totally on the other end of the world, and he was getting his Internet on a laser beam, and I was getting mine through some you know, Mickey Mouse little system down there. And here we did a show with each of us on opposite sides of the world, and it was just crystal clear, and it was amazing to me and uh, to him too. Uh, so anyway, we'll have Brent with us tomorrow, um, unless something happens that I don't know about. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to what he has to uh, bring us. And uh, that's about where we are as the first week of the new year wraps up. Anybody got any parting shots here real quick? Time went fast. Yeah, it goes fast when you're really into the meat something here. I'm amazed at times I'll look going, two hours went by? About like last night. I was I was shocked. Yeah, that went by super quick. And those breaks had come up, and I kept thinking, well, that's got to be the, the quarter of the hour break. That can't be a bottom of the hour, and every time it was, except for the first time. Anyway. He says you're coming back. Yeah, man. So uh, I bet you, I bet you that Mr. Jim Ram is right here ready to take over, though. Jimbo, are you there? Can you get the mute off and say hello? Hello. Good morning. Como estas? <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, good. Agrero, by the way, you mentioned Agrero yesterday. Uh, ah, the, the f- uh, football player? Yeah, he, he and Messi are about the most two famous uh, outside of the guy that just died that was the big coach from the World Cup team. But he was an Argentinian, too. Argentina produces some, some of the world's great soccer players, for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, when the World Cup is on that in Argentina, there ain't a car on the street. It's dead quiet. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, the impact of it. Uh, so anyway, and you've got your show today, and we'll probably hear the whistler here in a minute, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, and everything else all right? Did you happen to hear that uh, interview last night with uh, with Tom? No, I had I was in church. Okay. Oh, that's right, Wednesday. Dig things up. Yeah, okay. Let's see if I can. Where's my icons? Come here, icon. See if I can get this. Uh, I know he's a really good whistler, but sometimes the volume so. A little loud. There we go. That's better. Uh, so I'll be back tomorrow with Brent Winters. Uh, Jim Ram is going to take the baton and take you down the next two hours. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys manana in la manana. And we'll see what Brent Winters has to avail himself to us tomorrow. So thanks a lot for your comments. Had a really good show today. I enjoyed it. Hope you did too. Hope you got something out of it. And uh, as I tell you all the time, you just can't imagine how important each and every one of you are to me because you don't know what it's what I've gone through to get to this point to touch your life, have you respond and have you involved. And I'm tickled to death there. Okay? Honestly. So uh one of these days you'll understand one of these days, you go out and talk to enough people, you'll understand, I promise you. So, yep. Jimbo, all right. Well, uh, I haven't got cut off yet, but I'm about to here in a second. And uh, 
about 20 seconds. Uh, something like that. Is that how long I got? Okay. Yep. It usually cuts off about right now. Let's see. It never lets me get through the whole uh, outro. <laughs> but t- today, of course, since we're commenting on it, probably will. Um, yeah. You know how those things happen. Yep. Lay that body down, and we ought to get cut off here in just a second. Did you hear uh, Peter um, Hammond today, by the way?